0: welcome to the rooted and reaching podcast a ministry of first baptist church in Charlottetown, pei canada at first baptist church our vision is to be people deeply rooted in the amazing gospel of jesus christ who then reach out into our neighborhood city and the world as we live and share the good news here is this week's rooted and reaching message from fbc Charlottetown. and
1: i'll be the first to recognize that that right now media video was speaking from an american perspective Um, But I think we can all realize the issues uh, that video mentions. They're not American issues. Divorce stats, the reality of abuse, addiction, despair, financial crises all over the world. These are global matters. We're just as confronted by these things in Charlottetown, PEI, as we would be in Charlottesville, North Carolina. So let's not mislead ourselves into thinking that the world into which the local Canadian church claims to want to reach with the gospel of Jesus is somehow unique and completely different than anywhere else on the planet. Poverty, hunger, disease, spiritual darkness, it's no respecter of borders or nations. These destructive and life-altering realities can and do prevail through the world, including Canada, including PEI, or wherever you're joining us from this morning. But as we saw, the good news is that God has a response to that spiritual darkness and all that it encompasses when it's evidenced in the world. God, through Christ, established His church to be the ones to go into that darkness and to shine hope and to announce kingdom-advancing change to the world, one person and one transformed life at a time. Now, of course, Jesus Christ is the heart of that hope. He is the light of the world. But the Bible says that the collection of changed, saved people that make up the church, His visible body, His hands, His feet... His voice in the world, well, that's us, if Jesus is your Lord. If you were born again in Christ, if you number yourself among the body of believers called the church, then you're part of God's divine plan to reach out into the world with the gospel. God wants to use the church. He wants the church to point to the only means of spiritual renewal there is and to build relationships into a world that exude justice, that incarnate love and display mercy. So in doing so, the church is commended to display a humble Christian walk that is meant to have people ask the question, what is it that you have that I don't? But I want. Well, the answer is salvation in Christ alone. So this is week two, as we heard in this series called Changed. And this morning, as you can probably discern from the video and from what I've just said, we're talking about what happens when a collection of changed individuals, remember that was week one, band together to become a community with Jesus as the head. Now, the frequent go-to when you're preaching about the church is to go to Acts chapter 2. And I'll I'll reference that, but that's not where we're going to spend our time this morning. We're actually going to spend our time in a a parallel passage in Acts chapter 4. The context... just put it simply as you turn to Acts chapter 4, is the first church of Christian believers has been established, okay? It was birthed on the day of Pentecost. It would one day spread worldwide. Certainly some of that scattering is already happening. But at this point, church life is still centered mainly in the city of Jerusalem. And so that's where the believers described in the following words are living. And notice the things as I read it that are most important to them. Acts 4, verses 32 to 37, uh, from the English Standard Version. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. It's the first appearance of Barnabas. He becomes pretty big as the scriptures carry on. But that's the church in its earliest and purest form. And I'm going to spare us all the sermon this morning that says, let's just do all of those things like the Acts 2 church did. And I'm not going to say that because we can't. We can't be the Acts 2 church because, well, we're not in Jerusalem. We're 2,000 years of world history later. We are something socially and relationally different than they were. To be even remotely close to what the Acts Church was, we would first need to take care of a few things like get rid of this building, give all the money away to anyone that had need, pull the plug on our live stream, our website, our app every other electronic means that we have of living out our faith, and then we would meet every single day at Dave and Wendy's house. (laughs) Or my house. Or Dave and Wendy's house probably is uh, where we would gather. There'd be no more income tax receipts. No ministry paychecks either. None of these, th- nope, no comfy chairs, none of these things were a consideration for the Acts chapter 2 church. So that's why I say we just can't simply go back and be and do what the first church did. That's not possible. But there are, in these verses, critical outworkings of their faith in their context that we can observe and that we can bring into our context here in 2022. And so, when we think about what I just read out loud, and maybe we add to it in our minds the more uh, uh, well known Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47 uh, verse, we see a collection of changed, born again, forgiven, regenerated people instantly identified not by their brand, not by their programs, not by their social media presence. We see a body of convinced followers of Jesus whose Christian convictions were instantly recognizable, and I want to say this morning they were recognizable through four easily observable characteristics. They were generous, they were unified, they were compelling, and they were divinely multiplying in number so the argument that I'm going to make this morning is that a collection of people who confess having been changed by Jesus, who truly want to be the church of hope and light that God designed it to be, who want to be as faithful as possible to God's design for the local church, should be, at minimum, reflecting those four traits. So let's look at them one by one this morning, starting with the church's Generosity. A collection of people who've been changed by Jesus are doing so in response to the work of Christ within themselves, which is to say nothing at all but an absolute act of divine grace because salvation can't be bought. It certainly isn't earned, nor is it deserved by the recipients like you and I. It's an amazing act of divine generosity. And so doesn't it follow that Jesus' church should be instantly recognizable by that same dispensing of grace and visible generosity of spirit and of resources? In the Acts church, it said that nobody owned anything or claimed to own anything, that everything was freely shared among that collection of changed, born-again people. It further says that no one went without All resources regularly distributed according to those who had the greatest need. In fact, this generosity is where we meet for the first time the disciple called Barnabas, who would later play such a key role in the Apostle Paul's ministry. And the very first thing that we learn about Barnabas is that he lived out a spirit of generosity. He sold some property that he had, made sure the proceeds got to whomever needed it most. And and so it's important for us to see how this wasn't simply what he did or what that church decided to do. Because of Christ, it's now who they were. Hear that. It wasn't just what they did. It was who they were. And it seems that such generosity of spirit and resources was fostered by what I think is our second observable trait, unity. Unity among the people. Once again, this was a visible reality within and among the believers that evidenced the shared mission that they were on together. They had been saved and set apart by Christ, and they were on this mission of his design. In these words from Acts chapter 4, there are multiple clear mentions of how, no matter what was happening, they were all in this together. No exceptions. Not all in one accord except for the one guy that voted no at the church meeting. You know who you are. (laughs) I have no idea who you are. Um, They were all in one accord. They were all together, all in harmony. As it related to their purpose and their mission, as people redeemed by the cross of Jesus, they were in total harmony with each other. And I always say the same thing when I'm talking about this particular characteristic of the church. We're talking about unity in the church, not uniformity in the church, okay? They weren't all the same people who always thought the same things, who never had differences of opinion. That would be uniformity. No, the Acts church was the picture of unity. They agreed on the essentials, like the resurrection of the Lord primarily, And they were clear about the mission of the gospel, and as a result, they agreed about the principles behind the things they did. They were unified in Jesus. Thirdly, the earliest church was attractive. Okay, attractive. Not just an attraction. Here's what I mean. It was the sincerity of the convictions that the believers held, the the means of which how they lived out those convictions, the devotion that they had for one another, and the open-handedness that they displayed toward anyone and everyone, boy, that was compelling to people. In an era where confessing Jesus to be Lord in that very city where which was the center of Judaism, that could get you killed. When I say they were attractive and not an attraction, what I'm getting at is what made them appealing to the unconvinced around them was based solely on who they were in Christ, not just on production value or programming. I would say that the church today has to be so conscious that Jesus is the one being lifted up the one who draws all people. Not just a good show or a clever, charismatic, talking head in the pulpit. The problem with the church trying to put on an attraction is that it has to continually put on a bigger attraction next time to keep people coming back. If you thought that was a great show, wait till you see what we have planned next week. The first church wasn't an attraction, not in that way. They were attractive in their sincerity, in their authenticity. And that, that, I think, is something for we, the church of 2022, to really let sink in. Finally, and related to what I just said, is the fourth principle that made the church stand out where it was. And that was the obvious multiplication of believers that was happening among them. And this is really clear in the Acts 2 passage, uh, verse 47, where it declares, again, having mentioned generosity and unity among the believers, that in the end, as a result of their personal change that had led them to come together and make a kingdom difference together, God was numerically blessing those efforts exponentially, but in a very specific way. It says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, if that church or any church is little more than an attraction, you know, a shiny thing that captures people's interest temporarily, the passage would be more along the lines of more and more people attended their meetings and meals because the food was good and they were good preachers. Those weren't the marks and they shouldn't be the marks today of a church that God is actually blessing. A local Church totally devoted to teaching the gospel, building safe community, generously caring for one another within a shared mission unified under Jesus is, according to the principles of the example seen in the Acts Church, blessed by God through the multiplication of salvations. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That is the one metric that matters in the church. So generosity of spirit, unity of mission, attractive in composition, and multiplying through salvations. That is what a church of people themselves changed by the gospel should embody. And so in this light this morning. I want to encourage you to make use of the uh, discipleship resource, the tool that we created for this morning, and especially some of the reflection questions that are in it as you think about the church. We who comprise the church. It asks you to reflect on thoughts like, is it possible that a member of the early church that we just read about could claim to have been changed by the gospel of Jesus but yet still look and act the same as they always did to the people around them? In other words, can the spiritual change inside a person be completely separated from how they live that outwardly in Christ? When we consider the Acts church due to their salvation in Christ, how did that personal, and then corporate change caused them as a group to look different from the prevailing culture that was around them? Like, what what made them attractive? What made them stand out from other religious types littered through Jerusalem? And how does today's church stack up in comparison? What sets a modern-day believer's church apart from our unconvinced neighbors. And what I mean by that is, what, what should be expected to happen when a whole group of people who say they've been changed, transformed, altered, are different, have been reformed, renovated, converted, gather together? What should happen? Finally, what would be your honest response if God decided... Today's the day, and we're going to add to First Baptist Church's numbers daily those who are being saved. Like a steady stream of brand new believers continuing to flood into this fellowship, this worship space, because they don't know the rules. And I think that's awesome. Would you be good with that? If we're people changed forever by the resurrected Christ, that is an incredible thing. It numbers us, according to 1 Peter 2 9, as a chosen people. And then when those chosen people come together in what we call the church, the expectation from God is not the creation, you know, of a of a of a religious country club designed to satisfy our every spiritual whim. Because we're dues-paying members. No. The rest of 1 Peter 2.9 says we're not just chosen. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And it doesn't stop there. It goes on to explain why God chose us and called us together as a body. And it's not about us. It's about Jesus. So that we may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light that's the purpose. I hope we all caught that. And so, rather than leave off with that statement about our having been chosen, this passage clarifies our divine purpose and calling, a reminder to the church that once you were not a people of God, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We put that in uh, fewer words for you. Freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give. That's the mission of the church. And that's why turning back from God's calling is just not a valid option for any legitimate gathering that wants to call itself the church of Christ. The church is the messenger of hope for the world. The church exists at all as a means of reaching and blessing those who aren't even here yet. That's why we exist. We exist for those who aren't here this morning. In light of that Bible truth, we who call ourselves the church really need to care much more and put much more effort, energy, and resources toward reaching those who haven't been changed yet inside by Jesus rather than decidedly trying to keep happy and content those who have. And that all leads us into the final part in this series. Week one was about personal change in Christ. If you want to sum up that, you can say me. Today was about what should happen when spiritually changed people come together. Let's call that we. Us. Next Sunday, Kristen from our teaching team is going to explore what it means to see the Spirit-led local church work purposefully and biblically for them. A world needing to be radically changed for and by Jesus Christ and through the power of the gospel and to the glory of God. I will be on holidays, so Kristen will have the message next Sunday to wrap up this series. We invite the worship team to come back together.
0: You've been listening to the Rooted and Reaching podcast, a weekly ministry of First Baptist Church in Charlottetown, PEI, Canada. Our theme music is inspired by Ben Sound. For more information or to support the ministries of FBC Charlottetown, please visit our website myfbc.ca today. If you found the content of today's podcast encouraging, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and drop us a comment. In addition, consider sharing today's Rooted and Reaching podcast with at least one other person this week who might be blessed through it or become better biblically rooted through it. Until next time, thank you for listening.